0: It is the great divide, but it isn't great for business. The disconnects between sales and marketing have been around for a long time, and they aren't getting better on their own. So how do we bring these sides of the house together? Well, let's talk about it with our guest, Jeff Davis, author of the new book, Create Togetherness, Transform Sales and Marketing to Exceed Modern Buyers' Expectations and Increase Revenue. It's all on the Manager Message Podcast.
1: Welcome to the Manage Your Message podcast, where professionals come for ideas and inspiration to grow by talking about their businesses more effectively and getting lots of other people to do the same. Here is your host, consultant, professional speaker, and author, Jim Carr.
0: Come on in and welcome to the Manage Your Message podcast. I'm Jim Carr. I help professionals and entire organizations to get the most out of their everyday business conversations, the ones that generate by far the most growth opportunities. That means improvements in revenue, customer engagement, employee engagement, and your brand and reputation. I do that through consulting, professional speaking, and advisory work. My programs include guidance for message leadership with groups of professionals, as well as messaging transformation across an organization. Now, on this podcast, we discuss three foundational components for you to manage your message. First, the message itself, meaning the words, stories, and evidence you want your marketplace to know about. Second, your messengers, the network of people who can help you share that message. And third, management habits that will shape your culture and turn those improvements into an everyday competitive advantage. My new book is now available from Career Press. It's titled The Science of Customer Connections, Manage Your Message to Grow Your Business. You can find it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Indie Books. The audio version is on Audible and Apple, basically wherever business books are sold. You can also find a sample on my website, JimCar.com. We bring all of this together for you because, simply put, it's much easier to grow your business when you are a message manager. I first learned about our guest today through some people whom I know and respect, some of whom have even been guests on this podcast. They said that this Jeff Davis guy has some very solid ideas about bringing together the functions of sales and marketing. Well, I deal with this on a daily basis, so I'm very interested. Jeff describes himself as a marketer with the soul of a sales guy. He has been working in sales and marketing for 15 years, and he says that misalignment tends to cost business-to-business sellers about 10% of revenue every year. So let's take a look at the sources of misalignment, and especially some ways to close those gaps. Hey, Jeff, welcome to the Manager Message Podcast.
2: Jim, thank you for having me.
0: It is a pleasure to welcome you here to talk about a problem that has existed maybe since the Hatfields and McCoys, (laughs) this divide between sales and marketing. You know, As we're out in business, you see two groups of people who Should be, and I think often try to go in the same direction, but they may have been trained differently. They're paid differently. The culture, the language, the metrics are all different. So how is it that you've come to see this and what do you think it's costing businesses today?
2: Yeah, so I have an interesting perspective. I actually started my career in sales, so engineered by training, so think very process oriented, but started my career in training and just was brought up with really aggressive and really, really great sales training and had great sales managers. But I noticed in my time in sales in the field that marketing didn't always understand what we needed, right? They got the macro level things that were happening in the market, but sometimes they just weren't applicable for me on the street. And it was very much an ivory tower sort of situation where, you know, this is the marketing strategy. Here are the marketing pieces. If this does not work, it is not our fault. That just means that you can't execute in the field. And in my mind, heart and soul, I knew that something was missing, but I didn't have the visibility nor the language to be able to communicate what that meant. And so I jokingly say I went back to business school to get my MBA to transform myself into a marketer so that I could selfishly advocate for salespeople at corporate. I got to go in here and tell these marketers what salespeople need. And what I quickly found out by working with really intelligent, really smart marketers from great business schools, that their intention was to do the right thing. There was no malice. They just didn't have the visibility. They didn't have the insight of what sellers needed because they hadn't been in a sales role. And so it was that experience that really led me fast forward to what I do today as a, you know, keynote speaker, a consultant to really help sales and marketing understand each other. Because what I found in that interaction is that sales and marketing are are not at war. They just fundamentally do not understand how to leverage each other in the best way to move the organization forward.
0: Jeff, I will see real instances of, for example, the marketing department spends a lot of time putting together the corporate capabilities deck, or here's our new messaging going forward, and it's 90 slide PowerPoint. And it doesn't take long before the sales team takes it and goes, well, the idea is right, but that's not how I would ever say it. That's not for my meetings, not for my conversations. And so very quickly, there are six different versions of the deck that are out there and everyone's going crazy because they lack consistency. And so all of that rings true. And I also think that sometimes even on the marketing side, there are different flavors of that. So you will have people who are expert in marketing communications. And so they may deal with a lot of the external messaging. You You also might have product marketers who are focusing a whole lot on features and functions. But again, that may not translate well into a consistent selling conversation. Do you also see variation, say, between different types of sales teams and different areas within marketing?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I actually wrote an article a while ago for Salesforce on their blog and I talked about, you know, marketing speak and sales speak. Let's just be really honest about it. Salespeople have a certain dialogue and a language and marketers do too. And a lot of times, you know, marketers can get into, you know, I call them, you know, marketing conversations where we're talking about lofty ideas and that sort of thing. And that's great. And we need that thought leadership. But at the end of the day, that language does not stereotypically translate into what a buyer needs to hear. And so you have to take what we are having in those high-level meetings and connect with the sellers to be able to translate that into something they can use. I've seen a lot of pieces, the marketing pieces that are beautiful. The messaging is well thought out. But if I give a piece to a potential customer and they're asking me questions about what that means, are we really effectively communicating what we're trying to say? And so that's what I share with sales and marketing leaders is it's not that what you're doing does not have any value for sales, but you have to translate that into something that they can tangibly use in order to start a conversation with a potential buyer.
0: My sense, again, and certainly my experience is that this division Whether it's intended or not, and it isn't intended, it just kind of happens to be that way, especially in complex organizations that sell a lot of different kinds of products or services. But it seems that there are the moves and the elevation of the buyer, what buyers can learn about you, about the access to information that buyers have today, I think exposes this divide and makes it more costly. Is that what you're seeing as well?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So you hit the nail on the head, and implicitly, you know, you're talking about the digital disruption. And effectively, what digital disruption has done it's it's causing information inequality between buyer and seller. Now, we've always had information inequality; it's not necessarily new. However, it is changed in direction so that now our target buyers have more information than ever before, and sellers, stereotypically, unless they have a forward thinking sales and marketing team, are coming to the conversation with not a lot of insights and intelligence about the potential target buyer. And so what that does is, as a seller, if you know I'm coming to the conversation with the stereotypical maybe a name, an email, a position, you know nothing really you know deep insights, this particular target buyer knows my company potentially knows me from LinkedIn. They have researched my product against my competitors. They know my features and benefits. They might know pricing. They might have gone to a third-party vendor website and gotten reviews. They're coming armed with all of this information. And if I don't have the same level of information, I start talking about features and benefits. They're like, yeah, 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 we already know all that. Tell us something new. Tell us how you're going to transform our business and fix our solutions, fix our problems and our challenges. And so this is where we are seeing the impact of digital disruption. And what it's starting to show is that if this particular buyer has done all this research, and and hopefully your marketing team has a lot of messaging and content out there, and you're not pulling that as a seller through effectively There is a huge disconnect for the buyer, and then that impacts their overall customer experience. And by virtue of that, customer experience has become so much more important, you likely may lose that particular target buyer throughout that disconnected experience.
0: What I see often, Jeff, is that if you're late to the conversation, as you say, you're you're showing up at a point, you're talking at a level of features and functions and pricing and that sort of thing. If you're not fundamentally plugged into the business challenges that they have, you wind up, it's kind of like showing up late to a party and you find that all the snacks and beverages have already been picked (laughs) over. There's really not much left. All the fun has been had. So are you seeing certain indicators in organizations that you deal with of where are the symptoms of the misalignment? Late in the game, are they missing quotas? They don't have pricing power, all of the above, other things that I haven't even talked about?
2: Yeah. So the stereotypical symptoms that I call of, you know, or indicators of misalignment is the one that we hear over and over again, that sales complains about the quality of marketing leads. They say, all the leads you send us are terrible. None of them convert. They're not the people we need to talk to. So that's definitely number one. I think as a sales leader, if your people are continuing to miss quota. And I don't mean a couple of sellers within your team, but the team as a whole continues to miss quota. Something there stereotypically will indicate that there's misalignment. Another one would be if buyers are complaining about it being difficult or challenging to just go through the buying process with you, That is another indication that there is misalignment between your sales and marketing organization. And then also, if there's a lack of business intelligence, not only on the marketplace, but also just the buyers that you're interacting with. If sellers aren't empowered with the deep insights and deep knowledge about who they're speaking with, there's an opportunity there for marketing to get involved and be able to push some of that intel into them. And so those are some of the things that I stereotypically see as symptoms that are strong indicators that there is definitely some misalignment between sales and marketing and some Opportunity to work more closely together.
0: Jeff, you mentioned some of the areas that you can see problems in alignment and missing quota. First of all, I think I've seen maybe even you shared some figures that the percentage of professional sales reps who are missing quota, that percentage has been rising over time. And if that's true, and are there things that executives have on their dashboard that are they get to a certain point and they say, We can't keep doing things the same way.
2: Yeah, CSO Insights has some really compelling data that they've been tracking since I believe 2014 that missed sales quota has sales reps hitting sales quota has continued to fall year after year. That's looking at 63% in 2014 till currently in their latest report, we're now at 54.3. And then our close rates have hovered just below 50%. So with all the extra spending that we're doing on marketing technology, all of the new stuff that we're doing, hiring more sellers, all of these activities that we're doing, we are continuing to see sales reps on a global basis missing quota, right? And so what that tells us is that all of the things that we are throwing at this problem aren't necessarily moving the needle. And I think where a lot of times that we are missing the root cause of things is we're not focused on sales effectiveness and sales efficiency we are just looking at doing more, more calls, more leads, more conversations, more meetings. But, you know, as sellers and marketers, we're not looking at how do we become more effective and really move the needle so that we are closing more business and getting to the right conversations.
0: So instead of just more activity doing pretty much the same things, there seems to be an intervention that is required here, some fundamental changes, but for a longstanding standing seemingly intractable problem, how do you tend to approach this in terms of saying, okay, everyone, there's some things we need to start over, some things we need to stop doing, some things we need to begin doing. What does the intervention typically look like?
2: Yeah. And so I kind of sum it up into what I call create togetherness. What I found in being on both sides of the fence in sales, marketing, and also business development, and you talked about it at the beginning of our conversation, sales and marketing misalignment is not new. We've continued to throw things at it. Misalignment is fundamentally a people issue. And that people issue is that you have two parts of the organizations, which I would argue are the most important parts because they are the revenue engine of the company that fundamentally do not know how to work together we have a lot of sales leadership and we know what sales is all about. We have a lot of marketing leadership. We know what marketing looks like, but we don't really have a lot of information and thought leadership around that fuzzy gray area of where they kind of intersect, right? And so this is the first time we've really had to think about that because the modern buyer is raising their hands and they're saying, look, I'm having these amazing B2C experiences with Netflix and Amazon and Zappos. It's super easy to buy. I can look at reviews and I can get to, you know, my purchase quickly. I want that same thing from you. And as a B2B organization, we, you know, are looking at them and saying, we can't create that kind of experience because we don't have any visibility across sales and marketing. So we can't orchestrate what you need us to do in order to make this thing for you. And that's where we're seeing the problem. And so what I talk about is really increasing empathy between sales and marketing. And I don't mean, you know, sales and marketing, getting along, having an offsite, becoming friends. I mean, leveraging a relationship, a business relationship so that we can start to use each other in the way that is best for the buyer so that we can step up to the plate and really meet the needs and demands of the modern buyer.
0: Interesting to unpack that a little bit in terms of how you build that relationship, the working relationship between the sides. And I think this is important, whether message manager listeners, you may be in a big enterprise where you have groups of people, big units that are involved in these different areas, or even in a smaller organization, you still have marketing and sales activities, even with a smaller team. And how do you bring that together and not have a lot of wasted effort as well? One of the things, Jeff, that I have seen in my own work is just from the messaging part of it is to make sure that it isn't just marketing, marketing communications or product marketing, that is building the actual words and phrases and stories and examples to share in the message. But if you want salespeople to deliver it, then you get them involved also in the message creation. Similarly, if you sell through channel partners, you want them involved. In other words, all the people that you want to use the conversation should have a role to play in it. Is that a similar type of approach? And how are you bringing those sides together and having them work together and get more in alignment as units?
2: Yeah, you hit the nail on the head. Sales has to be brought to the table at the very beginning of strategy creation. And that is done for a couple of reasons. One, as a marketer or leadership team, there's just gonna be blind spots that you have because you're not interacting with the customer or the buyers on a day-to-day basis. I think secondly, what is, you know, many times overlooked is that you want to create advocates on the sales side of the business. So that strategy that you've put forth really resonates with the team. and can be pulled through and that you have advocates that will help the sellers understand why we're doing this and and how we actually execute this. So it really has to be about co-creating a go-to-market strategy that is not just a marketing strategy or brand strategy or sales strategy, but it really is a revenue generation strategy that comes from the overall business strategy. What I find many times when I'm working with clients, you talk to sales and marketing leadership, you know, not only have they created their plans within a silo, which does not really work because when you look at them many times, they're just not even connected on what they're trying to achieve. They also don't think about the fact, how does this level up to the overall business outcomes and business goals of the overall company? And that's where ultimately you really need to go and you need strong leadership that has a clear vision of where we're going, how we're going to get there, and then gives direction to the revenue team, sales and marketing, what the responsibilities are, and that has a trickle-down effect so that all of the strategies that we're employing, all of the tactics that we're employing are not only interdependent, but they're all aligned and we're all going in the same direction.
0: Well, that makes a lot of sense. And I do have to ask, though, so you talk about creating togetherness, and we're going to get to the specifics in your book, but... How together do the units need to be? What can you reasonably expect? And what are the types of benefits that come from it in terms of what you see as leading indicators, revenue numbers, lagging indicators, and that sort of thing? That's a big question. But even if you don't get perfect harmony, if you get more togetherness, I presume some good things can happen.
2: So I think at whatever level you can start to merge these two parts of the business, you're going to see benefits. I have never advocated for salespeople to become marketers or marketers become salespeople. I think fundamentally that there is a skill set that both of these teams do and they do very well. But what we really have to focus on is how do we inform the other in how to leverage their counterpart in the work that they do and to also be cognizant of when they are doing their work, how can they benefit their counterpart? And so when we talk about togetherness, it really is about taking a team approach. And Aberdeen Group has some really, really compelling research that shows us that you know companies that are aligned, significantly outperform those companies that are not aligned on major metrics that we look at that are indicative of revenue growth, right? You know, beyond revenue growth, we're talking about brand awareness. We're talking about leads being accepted for marketing. We're talking about overall team attainment of sales quota. All of these are significantly better and grow significantly faster if you're an aligned organization. So much so there are metrics that you're seeing two, four, five times better with an aligned organization than those that are not. So really what this research shows us is that alignment has become a strategic advantage. Alignment is not easy. It doesn't happen overnight. But if you're able to put in the work and the effort in order to transform your organization, it is something that your competitors will not be able to do tomorrow. And it really becomes a game changer in you generating revenue and outpacing your competitors.
0: And Jeff, before we get to some of the concepts in your book, I would imagine, this may not be true, I would imagine that larger enterprises may be a little bit more difficult, may take a little bit more time to bring them together, but where are you seeing the patterns or are there really not significant differences?
2: I think there are. I think what you find, regardless of industry, large enterprise organizations are going to always be more difficult to transform, period, right? So aligning sales and marketing is really truly a business transformation. And so when you look at it in that way, you know, trying to transform a, you know, 2.5 or 5, billion-dollar company is not easy. As far as industry goes, it is different amongst industries. What I tend to see is that, you know, tech and healthcare, some of those industries are more agile and more open to the concept, and they recognize that it's something that needs to be addressed and are more willing and, and able to kind of flex and put things into motion. Some of your, what I kind of call, legacy industries, so this would be industrial products, this would be manufacturing, trucking logistics, are just coming online and recognizing that this is something that's impacting their industry. In significant way, but I have seen them starting to have conversations. I actually gave a keynote presentation to a trucking and logistics association a couple of years ago, and people were extremely receptive to hear the message and are really excited about doing something different. So I think across all industries, uh, people have gotten to a point where we now have accepted that this is a thing. And then what you'll see in different industries, how they take that on and really run with it is a little different.
0: And getting to the point where you see something is a thing, a lot of this, I think, are times when you are, as an enterprise, get to a point you say, something's happening. Either we're not making quota, we're getting our teeth kicked in by a competitor, we have something that we have to react to. It really fuels the need for us to rethink our approach. Similarly, writing a book is not the kind of thing that you typically (laughs) just wake up one morning and do. There's something that might prompt or spark so Jeff, what was it for you that prompted you to take all of this and start trying to create a thing from what you've been learning?
2: Yeah. So I stereotypically get the question of what made me want to do this work? Or what made me, you know, want to tackle sales and marketing misalignment? And simply I just got frustrated. You know, I'll be really transparent. I, you know, as a salesperson, love salespeople. I love marketers. I truly love both of these parts of the organization equally. And for me, it's frustrating for them not to understand and see how much value they provide each other because there are so many missed opportunities that if you guys just got on the same page, that would be explosive and completely change the business and also alleviate a lot of frustration. Because I think a lot of people that I interact with, both on the sales and marketing side of the house, are exhausted. They're working super hard and they're doing what they know how to do in their silo. But I just want to tell them, if you just look over across the aisle and ask some questions and like work together... Things will be so much better, and so that really is what prompted me to write the book. I have had amazing conversations with clients at conferences, at at keynotes, you know, throughout my personal experiences of sales, marketing, business development, and I just wanted to be able to capture that into one place. You know, I've been blogging for quite some time, but I really wanted to put together a piece that encapsulated. I don't think you can ever know everything about sales and marketing alignment, but a place for sales and marketing leaders could sit down at the table and start a conversation, a meaningful conversation about how we transform the organization that was written in a way that talked to both of them and didn't talk down to one and talk up to the other.
0: So how did a, uh, let's see, marketer with the soul of a salesperson, is that right? (laughs) As you put that together. At
2: least that's how I feel.
0: (laughs) Yeah, to have that common language or language and some concepts that everybody can understand. And not just in sales and marketing, it's got to be at the executive level. It's got to be across the organization in terms of you know how we grow and how we produce revenue. What are some pillars or concepts, or do you have a, a model, a touchstone that you want your readers and you want your clients to access and think about what this alignment really means?
2: Sure, and I go into a little bit deeper dive in the book. I know we don't have the time to kind of go down the rabbit hole, but when I looked at all of the conversations I've had, whether it be in the podcast, you know, with clients, my professional experience, all that, I started to see three things kind of bubble up to the top because what I recognize is as I was doing my work, there's a lot to be done to really truly transform sales and marketing, not only in alignment, but just in the way that they approach the market. There's things that marketers need to do differently, to connect with the modern buyer. And there's things that salespeople need to do differently to connect with the modern buyer. And so I said, how can I present this in a way that a modern sales or marketing leader can really say, okay, great. We have some structure. We have a framework to begin this work and really be able to take this in a stepwise sort of way and in small chunks. And so those themes bubbled up to what I call my three pillars of alignment transformation, and that's data, process, and communication. And so really the objective on the data pillar is really about creating a single view of the customer interaction so that we can understand what their needs, want, and desires are. The process part is about developing a lead to revenue process that enables us to orchestrate sales and market interactions in the best way to create an amazing experience. And then the communication piece is really about establishing a formal feedback loop between sales and marketing that allows them to operate as one revenue generating system that is learning all the time and able to adapt to changing buyers' needs, the markets, as well as customer needs. So, again, data process communication really is what leaders need to sit down at the table, the CEO, the sales leader, the marketing leader, to talk about how they can move within those pillars to create strategies that move the organization forward.
0: So looking at the right numbers, having agreed upon processes, having the right feedback loops and communicating those sounds like a pretty good recipe for bringing the sides of the house at least closer together. Message managers, business owners, executives, leaders, this is such a big, long-standing, costly set of issues. You do not have to walk around with this big pebble in your shoe. Actually, it would be, Jeff, I think like multiple pebbles in both <laughs> shoes and the shoes are on the wrong feet. So it's Pretty just, it, <laughs> you can't much. build up any speed that way, can you? <laughs> no. <laughs> Tell us a little bit, if you will, about your podcast and then also about the book itself. And we want to make sure we know how to get that and connect it. You even have swag. Associated with all of this, it's pretty exciting. Package there.
2: I do. Uh, this is when I put my marketing hat on. So <laughs> we'll start with the book. The book is available on Amazon.com. Again, it is Create Togetherness. So you can also get it at Create Togetherness Book com that's create togethernessbook.com or amazon.com. Uh, you can get it there. Also as you indicated, the podcast is TheAlignmentPodcast.com, which is also the name, the alignment podcast. And Jim, I created the podcast very much for the same reason. I wasn't hearing a conversation for senior level sales marketing, leaders as well as CEOs in the B2B space about how to take a strategic approach to transforming the business. What I was hearing at the time that I started was very much tips and tricks and tech. And all those things are nice, but a lot of times there are band-aids that don't get to the point of how you actually get to the root cause of misalignment in the organization. And so what I've done is I've pulled uh, guests from four main areas, sales leaders, marketing leaders, CEOs and consultants, those that have visibility for the entire organization. And then fourthly, what I call human collaboration specialists. So these are psychologists, neurologists, folks that help us understand how we as humans operate, how our brains operate, and how we're incentivized to work together in collaboration, all that kind of good stuff. And all of our conversations on the show are focused at how you as a leader in a B2B organization can take a strategic approach to transforming your teams into better alignment. So I encourage those that are interested in those topics. It's a a short format. So hopefully you can get some strategic ideas and bring those into your next executive team meeting and have a conversation about how you can employ those. So again, at thealignmentpodcast.com. And then lastly, as you said, I have a, I guess we'll call it a merch line or a swag line. I don't know what people are using nowadays. We can use both
0: or either. Just stuff. We can can use both or either.
2: And maybe that came from my time as being a seller, but I thought it was a great way to start a sales kickoff meeting or start some contests for folks to get excited. But yeah, put together some shirts and hoodies that pull through the message of Create Togetherness. And my intent with that was to you know, share with sales and share with marketing and hopefully have some interactions where they're both being able to wear the shirt and nod at each other and say, you know what, we are creating togetherness. So that's over at createtogetherness.com. So hopefully valuable resources for those leaders in the B2B organization that are looking to transform the organization to meet the needs of the modern buyer.
0: Message managers, we will, of course, have all those links in our show description. Jeff, you've given me some ideas now. I need to start thinking about merch for our our, our message (laughs) management tribe that's here. And not to lead the witness a little bit, but just a final thought. Your work is around bringing together sales and marketing, you know, these days there are in some organizations lots of different kinds of units that are all, should be at least going in a common direction. So it might be, you might think of it at the front office and the back office. You might think about production and installation and maintenance and delivery and sales channels and the like. It sounds like there's some lessons here. It's certainly with the focus on sales and marketing, but for other disparate business units and functions that still should be pushing in a common direction probably some good lessons and some good guidelines there as well
2: absolutely and by no means you know my focus obviously is the aligning sales and marketing but there is always an opportunity to align across the organization. I think my approach is when you look at the organization, sales and marketing uh, misalignment has probably been some of the largest friction in the business as far as on the revenue generating side of, of the organization. And my thought process is, if I can get these two big kids in the room to get along, all of the other ones will follow suit. And so I think it's a really thoughtful approach to mending this relationship. And I think that, you know, once we really get sales and marketing on the same page, it'll be easier to pull in product and finance and everybody else that is a part of that customer journey and really helping us, you know, get the engagement of the modern buyer and and successfully convert them into a customer, hopefully for a long time, if not a lifetime.
0: That's terrific. Get the big kids together. We don't have to stare each other down on the playground any longer. We can all get together and hit the swings
2: (laughs) There you go. And you know, it, and all the other kids will follow along and everybody will be happy.
0: And we'll grow as we should. Hey, Jeff Davis, this has been a real treat. Thanks so much for joining us on the Manager Message Podcast.
2: It was such a pleasure being on the show. Thank you so much for having me.
0: My thanks to Jeff Davis and to you as well for joining the podcast, whether you are a returning message manager, perhaps this is your first time in. I know we have quite a variety of professionals and people on the way up listening to the podcast. I've been hearing from a lot of you, which is terrific. We have sales professionals and marketing people, but we also have CEOs, solo professionals, small and medium-sized private company owners, fundraisers, even students and academics, all sorts of people tuning in and Many of you have been uh, recommending us to friends and colleagues. I appreciate that. Leaving those five-star ratings helps a lot. If you haven't yet done so, please take just a few seconds, tap subscribe, and offer your five-star rating and review. That helps the robots and the analytics help other professionals know about the podcast so they can benefit as well. There is another free business messaging resource available to you, one that you can read, the Message Manager Memo it comes to your email inbox each week. It's a brief read with something you can put to work right away. You can sign up on my website, gymcar.com K-A-R-R-H. And while you're there, you probably know of, probably are part of a professional association or a company full of people looking for ways to improve their professional conversations and to grow their business. Well, on my website, you'll also see a speaking page and a related page just for event professionals, Those are the people who need to find speakers and other ideas for making their in-person events memorable and valuable. I'd love to speak to you or to them. You can email me directly at jim at jimcar.com. We can set up a time to talk by phone if you like. My direct number is also on the website. I look forward to talking to you. Until next time, message managers, thanks for joining the conversation.
1: Thanks for joining us on the Manage Your Message podcast with Jim Carr. You'll find show notes and other resources at managermessagepodcast.com and jimcar.com. Please help us serve you and other message managers by subscribing to, rating, and reviewing this podcast and connect with Jim on LinkedIn and on Twitter at Jim Carr. Until next time, we hope your business message is shared well and often.